Right, I'm set. Camera rolling. Sound. The good. The bad. And the just plain standard. Take one. Salut. Hey. All right. Welcome back to the good, the bad, and a just plain standard podcast where we provide you with our informed opinions on movies we watched together. We are your hosts, Adam, Anouk, and Jan. Today is all about Okja. Starring. Jake Gyllenhaal, Lily Collins, Tilda Swinton, Paul Dano, Stephen Yeun, oh, Sal, he- I can't say it. Charles, can you say it? Uh, her name is An Sa Yun. An Sa Yun. There you go. Devin yes. Bostic, Choi Wushik, Shirley Henderson, and Giancarlo Esposito. Great. So, as you've heard, you heard a different voice. So, we've got a guest in the house. So, jingle. That's the guest segment. Ooh. <laughs> guest segment. Ooh. Ooh. Great. Guest segment. <laughs> Great. So, Charles, who are you and what are you doing here? Uh, hi, I'm uh, I'm saying hi from South Korea, and I'm a, I'm a painter, I'm an artist, and I also love movies, and thank you for having me. Thank you. Well, that's a pleasure. I met, there's a bit of a story behind uh, mm. our meeting, mm-hmm. so as listeners to this podcast know, I'm quite obsessed with the play Hamlet, mm. and at one point in 2013, there was a company in Seoul who was putting up a, ver- well, the play Hamlet in Seoul, so they had a Kickstarter, and I gave quite a lot of money to support them, and in the end, I figured, well... Why not actually go there and see the play? Which is wow. what I did. And uh, Charles had a role in there, <laughs> really? which was fun. Yeah. yeah. And I went to his uh, workplace to see some of his painting. And we had a nice Korean barbecue. And it was, uh, it was Aww, awesome. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. 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 That, that, that was uh, back in 2013. And it was really, really special for us because we were, we were only a, a, a company which just started out uh, two years previously. And um, it was a, a, a really a revelation, really, uh, and inspiring to have uh, such, a, such a kind donor who donated such a great amount of money and so kind enough to travel all the way to Seoul to see the production. So we were all riveted and we were so happy to have him and yes and and that barbecue was was quite nice wasn't it Mm. (laughs) (laughs) it was it was it was one of the nicest times uh because i went there not really knowing what i was expecting and i'm so like i said obsessed with hamlet i had the occasion to talk with uh, jessica the director about uh, some text that was cut and choices and stuff so i went like i was pretty much i think i went there like four days and i was sleeping on the days and at nights so i was with, i was with the, the crew and the, the cast it was it was oh. great just working oh sounds amazing so jan was that production good bad or just plain standard yeah <laughs> it was good it was good and uh, as part of the it was also nice because as part of the reward uh, the donation there were rewards just like all crowdfunding right okay and uh, oh yeah th- i had a sonnet which was performed for me oh wow yes really yes okay. yes oh, nice. and in the end i got a video copy of the of the play very nice yeah i actually went there twice Oh, that's cool. Yeah, Hamlet died at my, at my feet two times. <laughs> Excellent. Cool. So, yeah, it was... Uh, so, do you still have that DVD? Uh, yeah. Uh, let me see it sometime. Yeah, we'd love to see I'd it. I'd love to see that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so, uh, Okja, how do you pronounce... Because I figured... Oh, so, I watched the... So, it's a Netflix production. Um, I watched yeah. that a few... When, when it was released. And I noticed watching it, like, uh, yesterday... That apparently, so the pronunciation, pretty much everyone except, well, actually, yeah, the Korean girl, she says, is that like Okta? Okta? Is that the, the, the correct spelling? I mean... Yeah, Okta, Okta, yeah. Okta. Okay. Okta. Okay, great, great, great. Yeah, just one another thing about Korea. I went there um, with the Navy and uh, watching the uh, Okta, I noticed a, the name of a city, Incheon, there. Because they travel from one point to one, and that's basically the port of uh, Seoul. Yeah. And there is one thing fascinating about this port is that the uh, tide uh, range is very high. Mm. Like it, there is eleven meters. There can go like eleven meters b- b- between the the lowest and the highest thingy. So there is a water lock in the port. Wow! Wow! That's yeah. quite impressive. Yeah. That's very <laughs> that's impressive. Yeah. That is impressive. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know that. 
<laughs> yeah, which was uh, really the first time because uh, with the military ships, uh, you, have, you get into ports, obviously. So, But yeah, it was quite impressive. <laughs> Jan's always full of nuggets of information. Yeah, Jan knows so many different things about little things. <laughs> so, the film. What do you guys uh, feel? I remember this being... You remember how Netflix, you still do have like those header things. So whenever you go into Netflix, it like promotes their newest film that they've got out. I remember seeing this when it like back when it came out and I was like, yeah, this looks quite interesting, but I never got around to watching it, which I kind of regret now because now that I've sat in and watched it, I'm like, you know what? This is pretty good. It was very good. I really enjoyed it. I, like, I came in not knowing anything about it at all. So... It was also quite nice just to like let the story unfold and not have any like preconceptions towards like the story because I had no idea what it would be about. But yeah, I definitely cried. (laughs) (laughs) The whole ending, I was just in tears. It was, yeah, it was really emotional and different emotions all throughout. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. roller coaster. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So apparently there is a humor thingy that you don't get as much if you only possess well if you only master the english language if you get both of them apparently you get uh, way way more what is your take on that charles about the language aspect of the film yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it was interesting because i watched okja with my american friends and there were so there were two koreans and five americans uh and we had both subtitles on and interestingly, uh, there was a there was a moment when when Okja was asked by the character played by Paul Dano whether she wants to go back to the forest or not, and she gives her she gives them an answer, and they did not have a subtitle English subtitle for her answer because they had Stephen Yeun's character as an interpreter, and he intentionally mm. spoiler alert. Can I say this? Can I say spoiler? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. fine. It's fine. Uh, we have spoilers. If the thing was, if the film or TV or whatever was released more than three weeks ago, it's fine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Mija, the girl, she said, "I want to go back to the mountains." And Stephen Young's character intentionally, he deliberately mis- misinterpreted it, saying, "Uh, we we're willing to help you." For me, I knew that 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 was what was happening. I knew that she wanted to go back to the mountain, and Stephen Young's character did not translate it. The way she with the way she said and my american friends who did not know korean they looked perplexed and i thought should i should i tell them should i tell my friends that <laughs> that that's that's not what she actually said but then later it was revealed as um as a plot twist or something so yeah yeah that was interesting it's funny because we had the subtitles we yeah. had we we've seen we've seen it directly. Yeah, we we had the so we knew what she said in Korean because we had the English subtitles uh when she was speaking. So I me and me and Adam watched it together and and we immediately thought, "Oh no." <laughs> okay. Oh, wait, wait. Or maybe it's because I've seen it before that I remembered the end. So I'm I'm not sure if it's actually Okay. No, on the Netflix version, they they, they I think they changed it then. So they have now English subtitles. English subtitles on the um Korean. Sorry. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah on, on her Korean, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but it's a Netflix production, so probably they changed because they were they they had uh... It'll be region specific as well, I'd imagine. Ah, mm. uh, yeah, cuz Netflix has different uh, versions of Netflix <laughs> yeah. depending on It's to do with um licensing yeah for example you can see programs that are um in different countries that you can't see other else for example a lot of bbc stuff because your mum was in germany so we sometimes use german netflix when we're over and it's yeah. really strange to see um programs where like huh i didn't know germany would be german netflix would have loads of the bbc stuff which is quite interesting mm-hmm. mm. the, the fact that it's produced by netflix i think i remembered when i watched it when it was released it was one of the first time because they have control of everything the sound is not um, as strongly um, studied as Atmos, like you've got sound in every direction, but but it's it's way better, I feel, that when you just watch a simple DVD on uh, on on a, on a TV, because uh, with the headsets and uh, I, I I heard sounds everywhere. Mm. Well, like a true surround, so it felt like you know when the, the door is closing and behind you and stuff. I guess because they have, um, they know immediately that's going straight to streaming services as opposed to filming for cinema. 
Because that's always the thing about release to DVD. There's a specific process of transferring all your data to DVD. So that's always why DVDs are a bit... That's why people say you should see it in the cinema, essentially. As opposed to, like, just wait for the DVD. Because it is totally a different experience. Mm. Usually people just think it's about, oh, it's a smaller screen, but it's actually about sound and the sound as well, mainly. Yeah. Didn't know that. Unless you've got a really fancy sound system that can optimise what's available. And especially with Blu-ray and 4K, what's out now, that there's a lot of good sound on DVDs because they are capable of getting there. But if you watch like um, like a standard DVD on like normal television, because you think about it, DVDs have got to work from like these portable DVD players used to have that you put the disc in and it loads up and stuff that used to take on, I used to have loads of them for going in car journeys. Yeah. To like, you know, massive 50 inch TVs that have got a DVD player. So it's like from a whole massive range. So that's why it's got to be like, uh, it's like got to be average throughout the whole range of whatever you watch it on. Hmm. Huh. Yeah, well, and you can also get, can have the Atmos at home. Uh, well, obviously with the headphones, but if you get like 5.1 and uh, you add uh, two speakers facing the the um, the ceiling and they reflect, and so you've got that's the way to do it. Uh, anyway, you know, there, I think. So I talked about emotional. I think there is a really cute relationship between uh, Mia and Okta. It reminded me of uh, me and my dogs, really. <laughs> yeah, especially when bedtime comes. I shared something on uh, social media not so long ago, a few days ago. Nice. So basically, you've got my, the bed, which is 90 uh, centimeters wide. And you've got 50% that's uh, human flesh, me. And then you've got uh, three other Rus- Jack Russells in there. So we're, it's, it's kind of a weird relationship we have. <laughs> no, pets are like that. I've met a cat um, when I'm at home, like, will sit on you. And he weighs a ton. He weighs, like, a lot, a lot. And you, when you sit on you, you're like, Jesus Christ, you're heavy. But like, <laughs> you don't want to move them. Mm. No, it's like a special bond that you have with your pets. Mm. And something that touched me also, it reminded me, uh, the old man with the media, it, uh, that's her uncle, father, grandfather? I don't grandfather. Grandfather, yeah. Uh, at one point, he shows uh, media what, what is about to happen to Okta mm-hmm. with, a, with a plan, so that's the uh, ribs and stuff. Oh. Yeah. It reminded me um, a long, long time ago when we... So we, we were... Um, all of us, uh, we are. The, so I have a brother, a sister, and there's me. Well, I'm a first, but anyway. And we were born in Provence, in the south of France, right? But we moved quite quickly because of my father's work um, in Parisian suburbs. And uh, at one point, it was one of the last moves where we were about to leave Paris region. We moved to a place like like the country where you've got like. Uh, cows and stuff and there was a circus and there was a raffles lottery and we came we we just uh, appeared in the town like two days before and we won a sheep (laughs) (laughs) what yes wow irene the sheep uh so that was way before we started having generations of german shepherds so um so we had her and uh, we were told that uh, she was kept on a leash outside well she was kept uh, because, well, there was a bit of a jealousy from the locals that, well, those guys, they just came from the city and <laughs> taking our sheep and stuff. <laughs> and uh, one day we were told that she was stolen. And a few years later, uh, we learned that she was indeed stolen by the butcher and uh, oh. was put into our fridge to be able to eat uh, at a later date. Oh, oh bloody hell. Yeah. No. Yeah, I didn't have any, I think, investment in uh, in in her at the time. So I I, I wasn't like uh, like crazy sad when uh, she was not there, and uh, or when she actually when we actually learned that it was uh, food. But um, yeah, they did it the very first time, and now I'm a bit blasé with the dogs. Uh, I mean, the the first time was the very first dog we had, German Shepherd, who died. Because German shepherds, they have something with their intestines, they turn or something. Well, anyway, the, the stuff was not diagnosed in, in time, and he, he died way, way early. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they're supposed to live like 10 years, and at five, it was, it was gone. That was very hard to cope with. So now I'm a bit blasé after, after this one. Yeah. Like, so, uh, yeah, yeah. How did your family react? So, like, you bought raffle tickets, right? Mm-hmm. And then they just, like, pulled out your ticket. It's like, oh, we've won a, we've won a sheep. Like, it's like a movie plot. Yeah, it does sound like Babe. Yeah, it sounds like Babe. Babe Pig in the City. (laughs) It was like 25 years ago or something, yeah. (laughs) 
Oh. Jan has always had an interest in life, man. Yeah, yes. I've never won anything at a raffle. Uh, Jan's won a bloody sheep. <laughs> I really love, did you also guys love the non-violent terrorists? Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that. It's so nice. Uh, we come in peace. <laughs> and one of them was starving because he wouldn't eat anything because food production was evil. And Yeah, talcum, oh, yeah. talcum powder guns and defensive umbrellas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, oh, and she put the uh, nails in a potato and put it in a cup to be like a... <laughs> something to a, throw it was a potato gun instead of a bazooka yeah oh uh, yeah totally yeah. totally funny so funny i quite liked the korean lorry driver i think he was my favorite character he just didn't give a fuck about anything <laughs> oh yeah, yeah just yeah. bored uh, <laughs> and then he became a terrorist <laughs> should we do a quick plot summary for this film so people know vaguely what's going on you want to do a plot summary charles i want to make a comment on the scene that you just described the moment when the grandfather yeah. of the girl explained to her just brutally in a brutal way that she's basically Opja is basically gonna be a steak. Mm. Right? She's basically a piece of meat by drawing that uh that thing on Opja's body saying she's basically gonna be a this is sirloin, this is bacon. And and that was powerful because the acting was so good. Mm. For me, the guy who played the grandfather, the actor's name is Pyeong Hee Bong, is one of the most recognizable actors here in Korea. And he is one of, I think, the director's favorite Korean actors because he stars almost every movie that the director Bong Joon-ho directs. And the way he said it in Korean was, 이게 그놈 팔자요. Okay, that's Korean. That just literally translates into, uh, it's her fate. Wow. Fate. That's the mm. word he used. That's how the word was translated. And me as a Korean audience, I told myself that that's not the right translation. Ah. There's no way, there's no way in my best knowledge they can they can accurately translate the Korean word paicha to English language. Interesting. Uh, yes, in some way it means destiny, fate, but it has it has more kind of relationship with the Korean history of being colonized and being enslaved and being raped. Mm. It has lots to do with the sad history the Korean people have suffered. So when you say Taicha, it's a very ominous, very bleak, very dark fate. So when he used the word, that's, that's going to be her Taicha, that's her Taicha, that's her fate, like Korean audiences would shudder to hear that expression. Wow. So I think really? that, that's, my, that's my kudos to the writer to, to write that sentence. That's sad that we that we lost that. It's also quite it sends reverence to the fact that this works in both Korean and English, which is a major thing that we'll yeah. get into later on about the whole divide. But obviously, the beginning with meeting Ojin in Korea and then moving to America, there's a total stylistic change. But to start off with, I think the stuff in Korea is possibly the best part of the film. Oh in, yeah, in my opinion, I think for me, I enjoyed that the most. Mm. Yeah, you mean the yeah the the, the yeah the first like the, 40, 50 minutes. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and her life seems so amazing. <laughs> yeah. I checked. Yeah, I because the the structure is quite straightforward. So basically, um, Okta is taken. It's the um, thirty minutes. So that's the, I would say the uh, in, in, um, inciting incident probably mm -hmm. at the thirty minute mark. Yeah. For a two hours movie, yeah, it's not bad. That's not like, bad. That's kind of spot on. Mm. It's actually about an hour fifty because it's about ten minutes. Tra um, the credits at the end. So because this film, it feels quick, but it's the same way how we talked in Baby Driver that every scene is important and works. There's never any dragging. I feel in this film. No, I wasn't bored at any point, or even wanted to be distracted. No. You know, even in like the best films, there are moments where it's like, oh, I don't know about the scene. It's a bit lagging, but. Actually, the whole way through, I was kind of rooting for the characters. The thing that blew me at the start, because I was like, what's going on? Is You know the whole introduction we have with, um, is it Tildes? Swinton. Swin Swinton. Mm. Um, with the whole explaining that, the whole exposition, essentially. I thought that was well done. But there's, <laughs> I was laughing because she comes down like these wooden stairs of obviously like this old factory. And I'm like, is she on a wooden roller coaster? Yeah. Like it looks like the tracks where you go up on a coaster. I'm like, where is she? <laughs> Maybe I've just been playing too much Roller Coaster Tycoon. I'm like, I oh, she, she's on a wooden roller coaster there. Yeah, I think you have been. <laughs> roller coasters on the brain. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was nice as well because I'm guessing because we saw that Tilda Swinton was a an exec producer, right? Uh, she was the yeah the CEO of the company also. Ah, but mainly. So I'm guessing it has American and Korean money or, or production company people involved in it. Like and the making sides. of the film? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Like both sides? Uh, yeah, I, I, I heard that there were both Korean staffs and American staffs. Staffs from Korean production company and the staffs from Netflix. And I think Brad Pitt also invested oh, wow. in the movie. So there were staffs from Brad Pitt's production company. Nice. Yeah. So basically there was this director. He was stuck in the middle of those three giants. <laughs> and yeah. Wow. Yeah. I liked also that they called the company a bit like Monsanto at Mirando. <laughs> yeah, Mirando. Mirando. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, another of my favorite moments from the movie was at the climax when Mija and Okja was in the factory, that terrible, gruesome place. And I expected some kind of a grand action-packed escape from the factory, but the way they handled it, she gave the CEO, the Tilda Swinton's character, uh, the, the golden pig. Mm. And they let her go. Yeah, and for me that was so brilliant because that's what those those corporates do. They will do anything. It's it's not about morality. It's not about ethic. It's not about their uh, philosophy. If they can make money, if they if, if you pay them, they will do it. Yeah, and there's such a brilliant sarcasm mm. uh, about this uh, corporation, and it was a, such a brilliant brilliant. It had a it had a it, it goes it went very well, but it's almost cartoonish atmosphere of the friendship friendship between the girl and the animal mm. with this very ultra realistic depiction about the corporation and the society and the economy it was a nice balance between personal journey obviously with Mija's character and then corporation which there was no personal attachment to anything like the the pigs are commodities essentially mm. which was a really nice when these two came together and I, I feel like the film would have kind of it would lose a bit if it did become like a whole like action-packed like i've got to get through the factory sort of thing so i think that kudos to everyone involved in this because the tone of the film never it never sacrifices its principle it never feels like it's been made by three different companies it's it feels like one complete piece of cinema yeah what i liked as well is that they didn't allow um tilda swinton's character to oh no she plays the sister as well doesn't she yes she, she <laughs> but yeah. uh i mean the the lucy um to not win and then nancy to kind of take over because there was this kind of satirical thing about why lie like why kind of put on makeup and a pretty dress and pretend that you're this lovely nice natural person when everyone knows that these big corporations that are you know, like this stuff actually happens. I think that's why I was crying and why it, it resonated so much because we're doing this to cows all the time, like every day, you know? So this mm -hmm. actually happens. And I think we're kind of getting to a point where we know these corporations are bad. Like why lie about it? Like we know that they just want money. Like you might as well be Nancy and not a Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> Stick that on a t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're such a Nancy. Yeah, it's uh, it's a... Uh, <laughs> But so, yeah, it's, there's the deep message on the. Mm. It, it, it comes out a, very, a, a film with a deep message, clearly. But it didn't feel preachy. No, yeah, mm -hmm, that's right. Which I liked. No, thank God. Because I'm majorly turned off by preachy, especially when it comes to animal welfare or veganism or vegetarianism. Uh, there's a good example of this. There's a there's a documentary on Netflix. Is it? The Food Problem or the Food Incorporated or something? Like that. it's, it's, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. I'd have to look it up because there are many. Um, and I have to get it right because uh, that documentary is very like biased towards becoming vegan. It's all about how American um, health companies are sponsored by fast food chains, which is true. But they present it in a kind of way that's like, why are you lying about this? Why are you like pushing, asking? It's very, very tilted towards like, this is the wrong thing and you should be um, being a vegan sort of thing. Which I, I've, fair enough, if you have those opinions, sure, I, I have opinions and have, because I mean, if everyone was the same, it'd be very boring. But when it's forced, ironically, force fed to you. No, that, 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 that really annoyed me because it was one-sided completely. And it was basically saying, if you have any animal products, it's really bad for you. And it's like, okay, I completely understand that massive corporations have so much control, but doctors have some say, like, they're not just going to allow people to eat badly. 
Like you're not just going to eat animals and then one day realize, oh shit, this is really bad for you. Like, <laughs> no, we'd all be dying if it was really bad for you. We wouldn't have got to this point. Like yeah. as a species, we probably would have died out. Yeah, no, it's so <laughs> stupid to say that we should we should that we should never have started eating animals. Like that doesn't make sense to mm. me anyway. I support the uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world version. <laughs> like uh, vegans are superheroes. Like Brandon Routh all the way with the patrol and stuff. That's the how vegan should be. You just want superpowers. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I noticed some few well-designed and composed uh, overhead shots in there, especially mm. the one in the uh, rape factory. Well, in the, the in, in the warehouse, the where the. I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch that. I couldn't. It I was actually a, couldn't. It was a rough that. scene. That I just heard the noise and I was like, I can't watch that. Probably really unprofessional of me, but it was done in a very styled way. That was that wasn't the scene, you know. Like in Hollywood, you would have you would the camera would be in the room with them. How it was done was um, it's the activists watching the live feed that they put in Oja's ear, and uh, so they're they're watching this footage, and it's it's them being like, Jesus Christ, I can't. What like what have we done? Sort of mm. thing. I did see some of those reactions because I kept on looking back, but I was just worried that I was gonna have to watch a rape scene pretty much but whereas in irreversible it's basically a camera um stuck on the, well on the on the floor and you've got the rape happening uh-huh. like in an in a alleyway dark alleyway oh. with a monica Bellucci. yeah it's just there are many there, actually it's quite shocking how many rape scenes there are in the in the world film yeah. world you would kind of think that would be you know distasteful whatever but i guess i guess it does happen it was interesting in this film as well because obviously you have like the personal relationship with Oja, so it feels like a rape scene but i was sitting there watching it going does it exist in the animal kingdom yes of course it does well i uh, know uh as in an animal raping an animal yeah i know that we like force we do forceful inseminations yeah so that's, that's that, true that's that's what i was fighting in my head i'm like i know this actually is there's a thing but i was like is it the term? Not as in like I'm trying to justify it. I'm just like in a matter of like figuring it out in my own head. I'm like, I've never really thought of it in that way. Like do animals naturally rape? Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I know that dolphins are pretty naughty. Yeah. Apparently I've seen, I've it's just too. orgies and uh, weird stuff. But <laughs> Well, frogs just pile on top of each other. <laughs> frogs. Really? Yeah, yeah. I don't take that personally. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Whoops. You bloody frogs. The French just pile on top of each other. No, but there is this smaller marsupial that uh, stays a virgin for a bit part of his life. And uh, at one point, it's just something that clicks and he have sex uh, until he dies. It's, I don't remember the name of it. Yeah, isn't, yeah, that yeah. Just, isn't that just every human being in the world? That's basically... <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? Wait, oh, wait a minute. What have I been missing? Wait, one day, one day, I just decided to go clubbing. <laughs> <laughs> I met this woman or man. In a club. <laughs> To go back to mine, just had sex till we die. Oh, that is so depressing, Adam. That is quite depressing. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, Suicide sex could wipe out rare Australian marsupial. Males die after ferocious 14 hours mating sessions leave them exhausted. Bloody hell. Wow. Let me find the name of that little... 14 uh, hours? Antikinus. It has dick in it? <laughs> at, some point, at some point it does. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. <laughs> does it actually oh, have dick in the name? For 15 hours, it Antinicus. Antinicus. Oh, okay. Dick on the brain. you've you thought? Freudian slip there in it? No, I heard dickiness, and I was like, what? <laughs> good name, good name. Yeah. Oh, that totally diffuses. There was a guy at my school. Um, oh, dear. I'm not going to say any names, so this won't be liable. Um, he came over, he was a, he came to... Like in the last couple of years of school. Anyway, you know when you move school and you're trying to like get a name for yourself and like, you know, don't want to be the new kid. This guy had a story that apparently he like had like sex with a woman for like 14 hours, right? Oh. And then to which I replied, I'm like, what do you consider? What He's like, what? Did that include foreplay? He's like, well, yeah. I'm like, what? So what do you count foreplay as? Like going to the movies, having dinner, <laughs> having a coffee at the end. Is that all? Is that all this? Yep. So if it died, if it like knackered itself after 13 hours, that totally diffuses his argument. So that's good that I've got proof of that now. That is also this uh, mosquito or this uh, being, well, who 
is uh, like uh, using is not going straight for the um, vagina or for for whatever the other mosquito has just like pierces through the the um, uh, the armor you know the he pierces through the the skin of the of the other of his mate. I like, like how you said armor using so, Yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> the so like um, car, carapace. How can you call that? Like uh, the shell. Oh, the I know what you mean now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's just like piercing everywhere, so they're sure the sperm will reach the reproductive organs. Jesus Gee. Christ! Bloody animals, man. That's I mean, well, but I mean that's the thing. Like we're one of the only uh, species who has like a consciousness and knows right and wrong and all this stuff like they just want to procreate we're the only we have an advanced sense of morality yeah yeah and ethics i think that's that's essentially what separates people from beasts really beasts it's like you have no morals you're a beast you're a beast Mm. yeah but then i mean so many humans also don't have morals this is true this is perfectly right uh, true. This is perfectly true. Perfectly true. And connected <laughs> um, to this film. We talked earlier about Tilda Swinton taking on Lucy and Nancy. Um, we, um, by the time you're listening to this, you would have uh, listened to Suburbicon, where Julian Moore is also playing two characters. I have, I have a very good point to bring up about Suburbicon that I learned recently. Um, okay. <laughs> do you want me to do that now? You can, because, uh, yeah, yeah, you can. Uh, so I discovered recently, thanks to the commode podcast uh, on bbc radio 5 goes out live fridays i think 2 p.m it's worth listening to if you yeah Kermit and Mayo. Mm-hmm. um it turns out that the coen brothers had the script you know the the matt damon side of the plot that was a script they'd had for years and they'd never really had a chance to do it and george clooney was working on an adaptation of a documentary he saw about how when veterans came home from world war ii they were like you were given a home it was the initiatives a home for gi's and it was about how black veterans were getting these homes too and being moved into these like picket fences of Burbicon. So he had this script going. So essentially what happened was Burbicon, it was two scripts put together. And that's why they don't fit together as well. Okay. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. So, yeah, I was talking about um, actors playing different characters because I'm quite fond of actors playing multiple characters when it's done right. I mean, right thoroughly, like in Orphan Black. Oh, yeah. it's, so it's perfectly distinct and developed and you see them extensively. Mm. But a bit unlike what you see in Split, which I liked the movie, but to say that uh, it was uh, like uh, a high uh, reach in um, James McAvoy's career, I think is overrated because uh, he reached a very good uh, step with Filth. Obviously, but this one, I'm not really sure. It was not developed enough. Then anyway, we, we are sold many, many characters and we only sold five anyway. And uh, also what happens to Monday, another movie, another Netflix uh, production where it's a, um, uh, what's the name of the, uh, she played in the um, Millennium. Yeah, she plays the Seven Sisters in this thing. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, well, it's done quite well, but it's not... Well, they're sisters and they've lived uh, in there all their lives, so obviously they have quite a similar characteristics. But mm-hmm. There's Legends, which is about the Cray, tw- the Cray brothers, uh, British gangsters, both played by Tom Hardy. Ah, yes, as yes well. that's right. That's I haven't right. seen that, so I don't know if it's good or not, but mm. I've heard and, good things. Yeah, yeah I, see, with Suburbicon, they, there was no reason for them to be the, the same, I think. And even... If I could kind of see a reason, I think I'm trying to put a reason on it because I wanted this film to be good. So I keep trying to... Do you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't described well enough, uh, the Julianne Moore, uh, the fact that she was playing two characters. Like, I'm putting the reason on it, saying that, oh, maybe it's because, you know, her sister is turning into her dead sister. And that's why she's... It's kind of like a, you know, oh, they're the same person. That... Ben brings up a good question I want to ask, especially because we're reviewing a movie that's uh, a Netflix title or even if it was an Amazon title. I feel that when you go to the cinema because you've paid for a ticket, Jan talked about this in the Suburbicon episode, um, that you want to find more good things in the movie. Having said that, with Netflix movies, do you feel that lessens your expectations of a Netflix film? What does, sorry? Well, because you pay a, you pay a subscription price a month for Netflix so you can get all the movies you want. Mm. Um 
So, for example, you could watch this movie, which I recommend you do, or you could watch Stranger Things or, you know, The Crown or any other Netflix show that's out there. And what I mean is because you're paying a set price, is your expectations lowered or you're not looking to justify it more because you're not paying, like, say, £12 a ticket for the cinema? Well, for the rest of the public, probably, but we have, uh, we, we pay 17 It's like a Netflix thing True, we have with if, a card. if we didn't have that. I've, I've gone months that I haven't used that card, that there's nothing at the cinema. So, you know, it's like you're still, you're still paying money. I still feel I still have to judge things and it's because of what you said on Suburbicon it's an excellent point that you should definitely hold every movie by the same standards mm. I honestly holding up I would I would pay the ticket to see this in cinema I think it was very good Okja yes yeah The but um, I do really think that they somehow got away with Tilda Swinton playing two characters because it was basically saying they're exactly the same as much as they want to be different they are exactly the same um, morally corrupt horrible people they're two sides of the same coin. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're completely, exa- they're exactly, they're, but, they're, but they're also the same side of the coin. <laughs> like, they're like, it's, it's, there's completely, just because you act nice and lovely, it, you know, your actions speak louder than words, basically. Mm, I'm also wondering in terms of acting, how do you really manage? Because I, I was getting to the point that I've uh, missed uh, there was an exhibition, uh, I think it was last year, at the Tate Modern with Kate Blanchett, who was playing 13 different characters. It was a multi-screen thingy, and it was streamed live in cinemas a few weeks ago, mid-November, mid I missed that. And they're going to do a feature, a one hour and a half feature about it. So I was wondering, um, Charles, when, when I saw you in Hamlet, you were playing one, two or three, you were playing different roles, were you? I played two different characters, yes. Uh, one was Rosencrantz, uh, Hamlet's friend, and the other was the Great Digger. Uh. Yeah, and it was interesting <laughs> because I got to play two very contrasting characters because Rosencrantz is one of the highest. He's basically the friend, closest friend to the prince. He's a nobleman. Whereas this grave digger was of the lowest rank among the characters in the play. He's a, he's a rogue. So, yeah, it, it was fun because I got to explore two very, very different personas. Yeah, and it, it was the, there was one major fun I had getting involved in the production. Does Rosencrantz have the last line? Because that's the, one of the best lines in Hamlet. Uh, no, no, that's Horatio. Uh, the, yeah, the very last. Yeah, when they're like... Um... No, uh, then that was um, Fortin Brass who gets the actual last uh. line. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, but uh, you don't have that in all the productions. Uh, since I've seen this one in Seoul, I've been in a uh, few other productions, and uh, sometimes I'm, I like to have that unabridged. So when I attend uh, abridged versions, I'm always disappointed. But, well, you know, you, mm-hmm. you've got people working for years, and so it's, yeah, it's... Uh, I, I know I can discuss what I liked or, or didn't like, so the so it's uh, it's it's never dissing for the, the 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 fun of it you know but anyway yeah acting multiple parts um this Kate Blanchett one yeah it will come in theaters I would love to see that yeah we've we've done this haven't we well I did it for um for leftover last year I had multiple parts although they weren't developed to be fair but no yeah and and actually because. So last year when we were at the Fringe, we did uh, two shows. So even though we were really busy and sometimes you don't have time to kind of sit back and be like, oh, I'm doing two characters because you have to be just on your toes like the whole time. Um, But we basically played two parts. Especially if it's straight afterwards, yeah? Yeah, it was like immediately afterwards. Like we had to set up for the first film, first film, uh, second play before the first play had started like it backstage yeah. we had to get everything sorted because we only had 10 minutes between plays so in a way we played two characters <laughs> mm, yeah yeah i had a feeling watching this movie there was a definite shift well we, we touched on it a bit earlier but everything that was like um jake gyllenhaal who is by the way um probably will be batman soon but anyway uh, his <laughs> probably, character yeah. and uh, and the ceo Highly um, stereotypical. I don't know about the te- the teeth. It's not the, the uh, Tilda Swinton. That's not a real teeth. You know, you can you can see something like it's it's weird, like get- protruding or whatever. It's, it's weird. I, I, I didn't know what, what it was, but if it's her teeth and I thought it was her jaw, I just thought it looked really weird, but maybe it was her teeth. Like they, she, they, she might have put 
So yeah, Johnny Wilcox. What do you feel about the character? Oh, the Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, I hated him. Oh, what the hell was the voice? It was so annoying. Was like, I don't, I don't think bizarre. it worked at all. But maybe that's the reason why he did it because it is like I, I kind of know what he was going for. It was like, <laughs> it was like evil Nigel Thornberry. <laughs> I didn't get that reference. Oh, it's uh, a '90s cartoon, The Wild Farmers. Uh, uh, Tim Curry again plays a uh, this like really sort of like British um, Ew, explorer. Oh, very heightened opera. Oh, yeah. Serengeti. <laughs> that the whole way through. So like it was a whole that was his cat, and he had a show like the the Wild Thornberrys was like it was an adventures of people going around while their dad was on the show, but it was about the child anyway. So I think in that essence, I get the choices for that character. And you're, I think it's another way of making you not like Jake Gyllenhaal's character as well. It's a very easy way to go like, I don't like you. Yeah, you're not supposed to like him, I guess. There is a character I like. Well, actually, it's an actress there. Uh, she was an uh, Mirando employee. Jennifer, it's uh, the actress is Scottish. Oh, uh, yeah. Shirley Henderson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first time I saw her, I didn't realize... The first time I realized she was in there was in Filth. She's Bunty. Yes. And I realized she was also Morning Myrtle in Harry Potter. She's also Spud's wife in oh. T2. She's in Trainspotting. Uh, gay, yeah, Gail. Gail, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's got also in... Bridget uh, Jones. Yeah, that's right. Diary, yeah. She's in loads of stuff. She's um, She was very... She's one of these actresses that always had a young face. So she was always playing like teenagers yeah. in her 20s. This is the first time I've seen her in a while where she's like, wow, you look more, older than a teenager now. Uh, Doctor Who? Oh, okay. She was the one. Do you remember the the suck the thing that like in uh, what season? Season oh, two. No idea. Um, David T- is, T- is Tennant. It's uh, the absorbable off. The one oh, that absor- yeah. absorbs yeah. everyone. Yeah. yeah. So she's the wait, one wait. that he falls in love with in the in the concrete slab in the yes. end. Ah, yeah. no, uh, right. yes, that's right. <laughs> I love it. Uh, her, there's something about her voice which is the same everywhere in all her projects, which is yeah, which is a bit annoying and fascinating at the same. T- I don't know. It's just like. I don't know. <laughs> her voice is strange. She's got one giant nipple is one of the line. <laughs> yeah. What was that about? Was that about... Describing um, Okja. Okja. Uh, yeah, one... Point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Her... I mean, if that was your super pig, I don't know why you gave it one nipple. Surely you'd want to give it like 12 so it could like, have 12 piglets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are actual super cows that they've genetically modified. Oh, yeah. I've seen yeah. The f- yeah. They're really terrifying looking things. There is a moment in there... At the end, where um, Mikia is showing the picture of her as a kid and Okja to the guy who is about to kill Okja. Yeah. Um, it oh. reminded me, did you, did you ever see the movie Aftermath with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger? I have not. No. Charles, have you ever no. seen that? Um, it's, no. It's very slow paced and you wonder until the end, is he, is he going to do it? Is he? And uh, he does. And it's... Uh, there is a photo involved and showing because basically the plot is like uh, is um, this guy about to greet his family back from a trip somewhere, and uh, you can see in the control tower where the workers there are making sure that all planes are um, landing where they are supposed to land and everything. The guy is going to that's the first few minutes of the movie. The guy is going to get a coffee and he misses two transmissions of planes that are at the same altitude and they crash into each other oh like in breaking bad okay uh, in season two in breaking bad um there's a character i can't spoil breaking bad in the podcast there's a character that dies and her father or his father um is affected so much that he like fucks up at his job and two planes crash into each other in season two Mm. So yeah, yeah, I've seen that sort of thing. Yeah, that's horrible. Well, yeah. The aftermath. The only thing he wants is someone to actually have someone, the guy responsible for that, to apologize. Mm. Ah. Yeah, that's the goal of the movie, and uh, you don't see the end. And it's, I think, it was uh, quite nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. interesting. That's quite interesting. Aftermath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like how Mi Mija and Okja's names are like really similar. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was really cute. Cause like, are there any special meaning um, about those names? Uh, Charles, you know? Well, I don't think there are specific names, but for Korean audience, Mija and Okja are very friendly, countryside names. They're not, they're not posh, they're not fancy names. Those are the names that you would expect from old, like a, a, a rural countryside. 
So I, I think I heard this in an interview from the director. He said, "This is the play. This is the this is the production. Uh, a movie about the corporation and the uh, uh, genetic modification of the animals." And he liked the contradiction between this grand plot and the names of the characters, such as. Um, yeah, I definitely like. There's a whole through line that you could argue it's from like from farm to table. Essentially, is this film where you see the upbringing and the environment that the animals live on, and then you see them travel to these these slaughterhouses, essentially. And I really I, that's my favorite. My favorite part of the film is everything in Korea because it has this such a grounded feel of like this is their world. Like those are whole like five to ten minute sequence of just um, Mijia and Oja playing. Yeah, it's well established yeah, it's, for sure. It's, yeah. it's great, mm. and it doesn't. It's, there's so many moments in this film that could be made Hollywoodized, which is a Nook's favorite phrase again. You know, uh, the prime example. I actually said this to Nook while we were watching it. You, when we see um, Mijia, or we see her in so is it Seoul? Seoul? How do you pronounce it? Seoul, probably. Seoul. You know when it's like the overhead, oh, yeah. yeah, the overhead shot of the the people walking up the stairs, and then you just see her in the middle in like the red jacket. Yeah, like you could, in Hollywood, you would expect that shot to be like it's like a spinning result, revolving shot of all the tall skyscrapers, and then it comes into her like looking up at all. I thought this was it was a very subtle and nice way to show like you know, pig off the farm essentially. Mm. And how she's just this little girl in the middle of the city and she's like going the opposite way to everyone. Yeah. Yeah, that's always a strong image for sure. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I Did you realize, because I didn't the first time I saw it, that there is a post credit scene? Yes, I, I saw that. I was skimming it because we were running late this morning. We watched it again this morning just to have like, because uh, we watched it quite late last night. I'm like, right, we'll watch it again in the morning just like make sure we got everything and i was like scanning at the end like seeing how long we had before we started this episode recording and how long we had left and i noticed there was a there was a scene at the end i'm like all right okay <laughs> so yeah i did see it mm -hmm. yeah that was a funny little homage the, to marvel there yeah yeah and the grandma, <laughs> take the hoodie, grandma. oh that was good that was good <laughs> um in terms of the structure i talked about um, earlier, yeah, you talked also about the fact that the the nice scenes when they're together, the incident that was incited was perfectly resolved in the end because it was, you know, it started in one way and it ends pretty much the same way, but totally different because now they're totally free. So I think it's always good mm. when mm, they... Yeah. And with a baby, which I thought was quite nice, it was like an added, they have a child now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, would you like to talk a bit more about some stuff about the movie, like quotes or stuff you liked before we can go into the last segment? I mean, that the bit where the parents kind of nudge their child out of the, the electric fence, I, my heart just broke. Um, it was just so well done at the end. Oh. Yeah, that's, that scene, I, I was watching it with my friends and that scene has a mixed reaction. I personally love the uh, love the scene, but some of my friends, my Korean friends, who are the hardcore fans of the director, they did not like that scene. Not because of what happened in that scene, but they thought it was way too cartoonish. Mm. Yeah, it was too fairy tale like. And yeah. that director is known for his hyper realistic depiction of the world, of the society. If you look at his previous films, like The Host or The Memories of Murder, those films yeah. are gritty. Like vitriolic, this just it just packed realism. And for the fans of the directors, that particular scene seemed like it was just there to function as a um, as a crowd pleaser in a way. But I personally love this scene. I I think I think it it did work in this particular movie where we have this um, because the whole concept itself, the friendship between an animal and a girl, mm. and their competition there. And, and this competition between them, between, between those two and the big, comp big corporation is itself a bit cartoonish and like a fairy tale. Yeah, yeah. And the whole way that mm. she kind of bought Okja back, like probably yes. would never have happened. Like, she probably would have been captured ages ago. <laughs> like, mm. I don't know. I thought that it was nice because it kind of further uh, humanized the pigs. It was like they would rather, like they didn't save themselves, they saved their child. So that was like another way of making you feel like, uh, because they were just a mass of like moving bodies. And, and I think maybe that was his way of being like, look, each one of these pigs are, you know, are 
like a human that you need to think of them as like they have feelings and and families and stuff that's why i like it i i think it's implied in the whole film that there's a these creatures are more than just like pigs there's a whole there's an intelligence to them they feel they remind me a lot of um orcas you know, like they have an emotion, they're more emotional than what you would reasonably think. Yeah, right. Which is why I think that end of the film works because although it's not stated, and I feel it's a really good decision directing wise and tone wise not to emphasize that these things have like extra senses, you know, like that piece of dialogue's like, oh, they've, they've developed a new sense, that sort of thing, because they've modified. I think it's implied in the whole way of the film of how we see that um, Oja react and with the relationship as well, we see that there's an emotional bond. So I see that end of going. It's like it's it's a mother because it's they're all they're all females, yeah. They're they're all mothers. So it's that mothering thing of like, well, let's just save if we can save one, you know. Like it still works. I feel because uh, I do feel that there's a a level of more emotion to these these creatures than regular um, animals on farms. Yeah. Mm. Which I think that's I, do, I I thought that scene was I thought it was fine. I think it worked. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Oh, are we doing the um, the rating before the last segment? I don't remember. Uh, we'll do. We'll do the rating. We'll yeah, do the rating. Well, just one second before that. It was just checking, but I think we should because I know that we share a passion for Shakespeare with Charles. So, mm-hmm. um, how come? What was your? I know that uh, my story is that uh, thanks to Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet, who basically yes. was the thing that made me want to act in 1996. Uh, so I came uh, from Shakespeare. I know you have a, a Shakespearean story also, Charles. Oh, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite similar. For me, it was also Kenneth Branagh. But for me, it was Henry V, but not Hamlet, although I love his Hamlet. Yeah, and I was a high school student. And you know how, how, crazy, how crazy it is in Korean and Japanese society, how competitive it is when it comes to uh, the college entrance exam and this whole chaos. And I was all stressed out that I somehow got to watch uh, his film, this film adaptation of Henry V. And it was, it was really nice. It was so inspiring. The, the words, all the, the Shakespeare's sentences and everything, the scenes, the way it was acted out was amazing. So in a way, it'll be safe to say that it's helped me intact throughout my high school life. And after I got into college, I got to be involved in a theater company. And that's how it all started. Kenneth Branagh is also my hero. <laughs> Aww. Many a man's hero. Yeah. Good man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's been uh, very popular and for a very, very long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His Sir. career has been incredible. Mm. So I think we should go into the rating and then do the last segment of. The Just day. before we go into the rating, uh, I, f- I feel that we've overlooked something because it's so good. Um, listeners that haven't seen the film, I always think of like I try to explain the movie to my parents. Ojism is a is a super pig essentially who is entirely CG. Oh yeah. wow! We've never we have mentioned the CG uh-huh. because it's so good that you forget it's CG. blending in. Yeah, had something it's about so good. It, but yeah, yeah, you yeah, it feels like reality yeah mm. i just wanted to make sure we acknowledged that because um it's a i think it's a very it's a great achievement i wouldn't yeah, be surprised i wouldn't be surprised if this got a nomination for um digital effects oh, oh. Come, come award season i wouldn't be surprised well you know what uh Okja was um one of the well was the movie which spark which sparkled uh, controversy at the oscars oh, because really? yeah y- y- you have to have a theatrical release oh and no. uh, oh yeah yes and in order to do that they they wanted uh, changing the rules was not um, in, in order so they would they would like to have like one or two screenings of the Netflix or Hulu or Amazon or whatever. Ah. But oh. this specific film had uh, conversations going in the latest Oscars. That's interesting. That's a very good point. I'm glad, though, that there were as a, at least a conversation because even like it needs to be said that that film is amazing, yeah. actually, like yeah. in all forms. This is another example of ing- film, best film not in the English language because it's got a lot of English in it but there's also Korean. We had this discussion of Victoria as well. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if it would make... Oh no, it definitely wouldn't. It's not It's the, the, It's not a, enough Korean language in it, I think, to be... Um... But it has made me want to watch more Korean movies. Yeah, I'd be interested to know more about Korean cinema actually now. Well, um, the director here also did uh, Snowboarder, was it? 
Snowpiercer, sorry. Uh, Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer, yeah. yeah. I really like that one. Oh, I don't know. I don't know that one. Mm. Just have to look him up because there's yeah. some good some good films. But he does like gr- he does like gritty stuff then, like uh, yeah. like Loach. I'm guessing. It sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. All right, yeah. Yeah, they should probably the CGI uh, guys from this movie should give lessons to the Justice League, <laughs> to the Justice League ones we'll get because uh, the mustache oh. incident. We'll get into that. Yeah, we'll get into the the stash (laughs) incident at some point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just saw the movie yesterday and it's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) It is horrible, it is, yeah. It's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, rating? Okay, mm. so we here at Good the Band are just plain standard. Rate films on if they're good, bad, or just plain standard. <laughs> just, plan- just plain standard, meaning the film didn't try anything and it's just there for a cash grab. I think I know what we're all going to say anyway. But Anouk, Jan, and Charles, was Ocha good, bad, or just plain standard? Start with Charles, so he's seeing as he's our guest. Mm. Uh, I'd say it's good. It was good uh, because it was so original. I just purely loved it because it was purely original. Because how many original movies do we get in the cinemas these days where every movie, almost every movie is either a sequel or a prequel, spin-off or a spin-off of a prequel, sequel or prequel. But this movie was just filled with, with beautiful choices and, and original storyline. I'd say it was good and it has a very distinct message. Good actors and good actresses and fantastic performances. I'd say it was good. I highly recommend Okja. Anik? Yeah, I second that. Thought that was very well dis- uh, explained as well. Jan? Yes, and con- I-, I third that uh, <laughs> entirely because, yeah, a bit earlier I was thinking, watching it yesterday, about the originality thingy, which I usually don't really take into account. But, yeah, it, it stoked me. So I was like, oh, yeah, there's that also. So, yeah, good, 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 good. Yeah, Charles's summary is pretty much how I feel as well. It's yeah. pretty accurate as well. I, it's, like we said with, um, not Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Murder on the Origin Express. It's a nice breath of original fresh air. So yes, it's a good from me. It's plugging time! France! Scotland! England! Korea! Hey! Go, go, Podcast Rangers! Boom, Mighty boom, plugin boom, Podcast boom, Rangers! Boom, 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 boom. Go, go, Podcast Rangers! Mighty plugin Podcast Rangers! So, Charles! <laughs> Gets me every time, yeah. that. We talked earlier about um, some hyper-reality in this movie. You know quite a bit about that because you did a TED Talk on it and your paintings are on that. Oh, yes. Hyper-reality. Yeah. So, would you like to share with us the how the whole TED Talk happened? Oh, yes. I just completed my another TED Talk, which happened in Japan two weeks ago. Wow. And my first... It was not... It was, my, it was TEDx Talk. It was independently organized TED event. Um, so, my first TEDx Talk was in 2014 in Malaysia. The second one was in 2016 in Seoul, Korea. And the third one just happened in Japan. And it was all about, I was asked to talk about hyperreality. And this, this concept, hyperreality, the term itself was coined by a sociologist, a French sociologist uh, named Jean Baudrillard. I'm not sure if my pronunciation is correct. Jean, Jean Baudrillard. Baudrillard? Baudrillard, probably. We probably. Baudrillard. Yeah, yeah, usually don't yeah, pronounce yeah. the D. Yeah. That man, that guy. So it, 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 it means, it, it, it not only, it doesn't mean that it's, it, it's being super realistic or ultra realistic. It's a phenomenon in which the simulation of the reality surpasses the reality itself. So it's kind of a virtual reality that does possess the traits of the real more than the real itself. That, that the person who experiences it can no longer distinguish what's the original and what's the representation of the original. So the, basically the movie Matrix was everything about this concept, hyper-reality. And, um, okay, I don't want to get too deep into the, the philosophical, sociological concept of the term. Since we talked about Okja and CGI, I mean, the current CGI industry would be a perfect example of this phenomenon of hyper-reality because think about the kind of CGI we experience these days. Because in the old days, we would know that what we see on the screen was fake, like the CGI that was used to create uh, talking monsters or transformer robots. I mean, those are just apparent that those are, those are CGI, those are fake. But 
If you look at Marvel movies these days, they do the de-aging. I have strong feelings about the de-aging. Yes, well, what I want to talk about is that they have, in Civil War, for example, they have the, the Robert Downey Jr. in his 20s. In Ant-Man, they have Michael Douglas in his 30s, which was all done in CGI. And those were, I would, I would dare say, those are seamless. It was seamless, almost seamless. I mean, let's talk about Rogue One, what they did with Grand Moff Tarkin, Peter Cushing. They actually digitally resurrected the actor who died more than 20 years ago. So what we saw on screen was the digital recreation of the face of Peter Cushing, who moved and spoke like Peter Cushing, but it was all fake. And my friend who saw the movie with me, he had no idea because he had, he had zero knowledge on, on Star Wars or the actor himself. And when I told him that, did you realize that, that, that the old man, that moth was digital creation. And I said, no, I had absolutely no idea. So it's an interesting phenomenon because you're, you're going, you're reaching a point where we won't be able to consciously distinguish what's CGI, what's fake, and what's real on screen. So I can easily predict a future, a foreseeable future, where we have this digital actors, this virtual creation on screen, but then you would have no idea that if that's an actual thing, real actor or CGI. There was a movie with Al Pacino, Simone, on that theme. Yes. Have you seen this one? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. what you say is very interesting, uh, obviously, where we're going. However, for me... Uh, I felt, well, I think I didn't remember, well, I, I noticed that in, in Ant-Man, because Ant-Man was before Civil War, I think. I, not, I didn't feel it was, I've been doing some workshops with the makeup artists and people like this. So when I see, uh, especially, well, Peter Cushing was okay, but uh, what they did with Leia was atrocious. What they did <laughs> with, uh, I think... Um, with um, Michael Douglas was, well, it was okay, but just barely okay. Obviously, I didn't realize at the time when I saw the movie why they did that, but Justice League with Henry Cavill to remove the mustache. Ah. It's just, I don't have any issues with the DC movies except Suicide Squad. I think Justice League was kind of okay, but it was totally grotesque because of that mustache thingy. Yeah. So I, I really have issues with the CGI Thingy, especially when it's not done correctly. One thing that was done correctly is the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, because the um, makeup artist who's been working with Kurt Russell for his, all his career told them, "Well, I can I can have a makeup to make uh, him look like he was 40 years ago." So there was also a bit of retouching, but it feels more natural than full CGI. I I'm not I'm not trying to say that. All those CGI that were used on those movies were perfect. I'm not saying that. What, I'm, what I want to say is that we're getting there because the technology is evolving with an amazing speed. And one of my favorite movies that I've seen recently was The Planet of the Apes, the new Planet of the Apes movie. I love that series so yeah, much. Yeah, we, we like That's it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah, on the circus. And the, and yeah, the CGI, <laughs> those movies were just glorious. So we can easily, I think we can predict the future where we can award the Oscar I think Andy Serkis, he does deserve an Oscar for his performance in Planet of the Apes. So why can you not predict a future where we have we really award an Oscar to a digital actor, a digital creation? Yeah, that's a, there's a lot of talk about that, and I'm fully supporting the yeah yeah for sure yeah. because it's no longer motion capture; it's performance capture, and uh, the actor is uh, on set. Uh, maybe more uh, longer than the rest of the cast and crew and everything so mm. well it's the age of the nerd yeah maybe we don't maybe in the future we no longer have we no longer need to have Andy Serkis we no longer need to have an actual actor to be the referential image for the digital creation it could be a hundred percent pure digital creation with with zero base on the actual actor which sounds horrifying in a way yeah just like we've mapped the whole human genome so we can clone ourselves at will <laughs> i highly recommend um, both of you being shakespeare fans to try and get a hold of the one of the recent tempest performance from the national theater the R rcs um, oh, yes. the where they digitally did aerial it was all mm. all digital and performance capture it was um, unbelievable and um, i highly recommend getting a hold of that somehow because it's yeah. very interesting to see that brought to mm. stage mm. ah yeah, yeah i never thought i would see that that they could bring 
digital recreations of something onto a live stage, which was incredible. Yeah, yeah, like bringing uh, Tupac back to life in there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. it's, it's holograms. Yeah. Um, to 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 get back on the actual uh, plugging thing. Well, <laughs> so you where, where um, can our listeners see your work? Because I haven't uh, shown the, my co-hosts your work. You've done uh, Robert Downey Jr. You've done quite a, a bit of, uh, of uh, incredible paintings. Oh yeah, you can you can find me on Facebook. I upload all my paintings, all my sketches, and all my photographs from the Shakespeare productions on my Facebook. So you can just type my name, Charles Jong, on Facebook. Uh, J E O N G. That's my last name, and you can follow me. Great, great. Definitely. Yeah, yeah and uh, yeah. Once again, I've been to the workplace, and it's just fascinating. From a, a distance, you see it's like hyper. There's there's something, and then you go, and it's just you see it's a painting. It's just it's a it's in, one in a lifetime experience. I would say like it's a yeah yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, yeah. And in terms of acting, do you have anything at the moment? Uh, oh yes, we will be start. We will be starting working on Merchant of Venice, which is going to be our main stage production in spring next year, 2018. And I'm excited. Yeah, that's a good one. I <laughs> love that yeah, that love play. That. Um, uh, do you uh, do you plan on doing a crowdfunding for this one too? Or? I think yes. We always need money. Because it's non-profit organization. Yeah, yes, there is going to be a crowdfunding. Cool. We'll make sure to share that, obviously, when uh, it down. goes live. And <laughs> yeah. For yeah. Sure. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you. I think we're pretty much uh, near the end. Thank yeah. you again very much for uh, being with us here today. Yeah, yes, thank, thank you. Thank you very much. So much. I had so much fun. So much fun. Yeah. Let us know when you're in Scotland. Yeah, we'll, put, we'll, we'll crowdfund our own thing and make sure he... Yeah, Charles has to come oh, and see yeah, us. Yeah, I will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come. Uh, one thing I will need to do, because I talked to you privately a while back about uh, um, buying you a painting for a very special person in my life who's about to get 60 very soon. Uh, I'll get back to you on that and uh, we can see uh, uh, before your prices and uh, your fame gets too too high for me, you know? <laughs> Okay, we'll, we'll talk about that. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, in, it's in three years, so it's, we've got time, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. thank you again for being with us. Um, so we were... Adam. Anouk. Jan. And Charles. Thank you very much. Thank bye you. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye now. Thank you, bye.